Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. From the Citizens Bank Studio, welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, where every day we talk about the amazing people who are working so hard to make this place, Mississippi, such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, I want to look back just a little bit. We had a series of, of amazing shows, and uh, if you miss them, you can go to Facebook or YouTube or your favorite podcast and, and listen to them or watch them. Um, I had a really terrific conversation with a guy by the name of James Scrimetta. I've known the Scrimetta family here in Biloxi for, for many years. And James has gone on to New Orleans after he did a, he did worked at the Sun Hero for a brief period of time, did some other things. He's actually in the public relations business in New Orleans. And on the side, he has an NFL slash Saints um, YouTube channel. And it's it's one of the faster growing YouTube channels in a sea of competitors in New Orleans. He had over a million uh, views this past year. And it's just a, a really interesting conversation about a guy from, from Biloxi who really knew what he wanted to do. He was willing to take the risks. And um, there was a point in time when he said that he was at the Sun Herald. They said, you know, you're doing a good job with your YouTube channel. We want you to do this for us. But they were going to define what it is he needed to get into. And he didn't really want to do that. He, he really wanted to talk sports all the time. And that's what he did. But, again, willing to take the risk, willing to, to get into um, – into you know the, the basically the sea of competitors and do what you got to do to compete as an entrepreneur. Not an easy decision. I had a great conversation with Austin Summerall. He's the chef at White Pillars and uh, did really well in a couple of TV shows. Most recently, Chops. He's got another one coming up. They're going to be opening a new restaurant in downtown Gulfport. We talked about that. He actually broke that news on my show. But Austin's uh, just a, a good example of an entrepreneur that had been around cooking his whole life. And uh, eventually came into owning his own restaurant, what is formerly the White Pillars. You know, the White. I, I worked at the White Pillars in the 1970s when I was in high school. What a, an amazing building! What an amazing restaurant! But to put a sort of a modern flair on that, he's doing a great job with his wife Tressie. And then I had a terrific conversation with James Wynn, who is the director of digital for Super Talk Mississippi Media, and we talked about why, if you're not satisfied with your your digital uh, direction right now of your company that you ought to call James and the team at Super Talk Mississippi Media at STMM Digital STMM Digital dot com and it's a uh, it's Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital. Okay, so they'll do a free audit of your situation and and give you some advice. I think you'll be glad you did. A lot of people are a little bit intimidated by the digital side of things, and uh, sometimes uh, you know when you look at your your dashboards on your digital, you're just not happy with what you see, and ultimately you're not happy with the results. And that's that's super important to be focused on results. And then lastly, J T Mitchell, the director of uh, news at Super Talk Mississippi News. 
he's going to be joining me here on the show more more regularly. This team is doing an amazing job. It's all Mississippi all the time at Super Talk Mississippi News, especially during the legislative session. So if you haven't signed up for the Super Talk newsletter, I'd really encourage you to do so. It is very, very good. And me being a former news guy, I can really appreciate what this great team at Super Talk Mississippi News is doing. They are doing well. And JT Mitchell has been a terrific uh, leader of that effort. Uh, so now let's shift gears. Uh, I, in the future show, I'm going to share the uh, the man in the in the arena by Theodore Roosevelt. I was going to do it today, but I, I I don't have enough time to do it. We refer to it all the time. I've read it for, before, but it really gives a lot of props to people in the community, essentially who are willing to get in. And, and uh, as he says, uh, have their faces marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's what it often takes when you get out in the community. But someone I really admire, who, who was the former uh, chair, uh, excuse me, the former president of the Gulf Coast Business Council. He's an entrepreneur in Mississippi doing work really beyond Mississippi these days. Uh, and he's also a Super Talk Mississippi News column contributor. And that's Ashley Edwards. How are you doing, Ashley? Hey, Ricky. Good morning. I'm doing great. Good to be with you. So you heard me uh, mention JT Mitchell and the team at Supertalk, but man, with a small team, this team is knocking it out of the park, aren't they? They're doing a great job, and you know it, it's gotten to the point now where I see a lot of the breaking news in Mississippi on Supertalk before I see it anywhere else. I'll see a Supertalk Mississippi news tweet or or post or things like that, and so they're they're doing a bang up job. And uh, you know, given the size of the team, this is one of the best news organizations in the state right now. No question. It, it really is. You know, it, it's sad, unfortunately, if you look at the state of the of the news media today. Just as an example, there were fifty reporters, employees at. The Sun Herald, when I left there in 2009, and I think they, they have less than five today in the newsroom. And I uh, admire every one of them. They're, they're all terrific reporters, and, and, and you know, this is not about them, but it's about the situation they face, you know, with not, not having the resources to do the job. I also think that the company that owns the Sun Herald, it's a venture capital fund, um, should uh, should be focused more on the digital side of things. Uh, you know, what, what I've seen is too many newspapers have focused on keeping print alive. I think print died about 10 years ago and nobody gave it a funeral. Uh, but the reality is they should have been using the resources that they had at the time and shifting them to digital so they could have more of a digital footprint. But what's happened is by the, because they spent so much money trying to keep print going and they don't have the resources to fill the space, uh, you, you need only look as far as, say, the, their Facebook page, and you'll see so much news from Indiana and California and Florida, whereas used to it used to be all local news. What I love about what's happened at Supertalk Mississippi News is it's all Mississippi news all the time. So uh, the newsletter is terrific. The news effort is terrific. And especially during the legislative session, when folks come on to our shows and talk, it creates this great like this incredible bed of news opportunities for them as they as they mine those shows for news it's just a it's just a cool setup and then we have contributors like you who are giving uh you know commenting about a wide range of, of subjects it's uh, it's just it's just cool i'm i'm very pleased with the job that they're doing any other thing about that before we move on well look i think it's you know it's interesting because very much you, when you look at the the sort of the, the fall of the, the daily newspapers across the U.S., 
there was a huge vacuum created. And so it's it's great to see an organization like Super Talk Mississippi through its news division stepping in to fill that vacuum in a meaningful way. And one of the things, Ricky, that I really appreciate about Super Talk's coverage is it's fact-based, uh, it's it's immediate, uh, it, you know, and, and it gives people the information they need to know. And so, I, you know, I like the fact that, you know, you, you, you think about a radio station, a radio network that has a lot of folks on that are opinion hosts, and uh, but the, the news division is really very different from that. You know, I, I, I write a lot of opinion columns, but in terms of, you know, giving people the news, I mean, they're, they're Johnny on the spot, so they're doing a great job. Actually, I think that's a great point. Um, Super Talk uh, Mississippi Media, this this company, is the 12 Super Talk stations that are geographically located around the state, but it's also 14 other radio stations that are also spread across the state here in the coast, WCPR, The Monkey, others. So, um, so what's happening is the news is not only going to the stations that are part of the 12 radio stations that are part of Supertalk Network, but they also go to all these other radio stations. And in addition to that, another, uh, you know, a, a total of 51 radio stations across the state. So another, what's that, 25 other radio stations that the news is going to that don't belong to the to Supertalk Mississippi Media. So if you make news on this show, you, you, it's possible stories going to come out of it that goes to the Supertalk News website. It's going to go to the to the app. It's going to be at supertalk.fm. It's going to be in the newsletter. It's also going to, it's potentially going to be part of our shows because we talk about the news all the time. And then it's going to be uh, part of the news uh, the, the news programming that goes to all of these different radio stations. So, it's a it's a powerful voice. The vo- you know we have the opinion host that's for sure. But the but the objective journalistic effort by Super Talk Mississippi News kind of stands alone as one of the better in the state. That's for sure. I appreciate you pointing that out. Well, hey, you listen, know, uh, you know, along those lines, you think about your days as a newspaper publisher and and the fact that things were always measured and based on circulation. Uh, and when you think about the number of people who are tuning in, looking at the, the various digital platforms, Supertalk News, the circulation in the state of Mississippi is like none other. There's nobody that can really compete with that. So in this sort of new age of media, what a great time for a group like Supertalk to step up and fill a vacuum that's been left by sort of the degradation of a lot of the, the weekly and daily newspapers out there. Yeah, I, 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 t- I totally agree. I mean, that cre- the, the voice is very, very powerful. Um, you know what's interesting is I have I have actually problems with how they measure radio audience. And believe it or not, they're still using diaries where people write in, into a diary. Uh, you would think that modern technology would uh, would have long since sort of taken over, but it hasn't. There are some other approaches that, that uh, the company is, is looking into and I think beginning to deploy that are a little bit more digital-based and a little bit more accurate. Um, so, but 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 you're, you're but it's a great point. I mean, when you have this multimedia uh, footprint, where you, when you are wherever, however, people want to interact with you, and good Lord knows there's so many choices now because of the digital platforms that are available. Um, you know, when you do that, you, you're going to touch a lot of people. And then, you know, by the way, then when you get onto something like teen suicide, something a, a real real important project that we're focused on this year, you can really make a difference because you're talking to legislators. You're talking to key leaders in the state. You're talking to people who have the the resources to give, and you can really enact change when you touch a lot of people. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Ashley Edwards. 
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Super Talk uh, and uh, the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have my friend Ashley Edwards with us today, and we are just we're just catching up and visiting. You know, Ashley, you and I have had a lot of conversations about leadership over the years, and it's been interesting watching you because you have uh, you know you worked for the, for uh, multiple governors. You've been involved in disaster recovery. You, you have an, an, a part of your business today that's still focused on disaster recovery. Uh, you you were the uh, uh, president of uh, the uh, Gulf Coast Business Council, and now you're sort of in, in in the private sector doing entrepreneurial work. But you know whether you're a leader in the community or running your business, that when you decide to step out there, you're going to take risk. And and you heard what a, you know the little excerpt I read from the Man in the Mirror by Theodore Roosevelt. But how does it feel? Contrast being sort of in the public sector, you know, working for an organization like Gulf Coast Business Council, and now being sort of in private business. What, what's what's how's that going for you? Well, you know, it's going really well, Ricky. Um, but it's it's a lot more difficult than I thought it would be, and I think that's probably the 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 experience of a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Um, the stakes are always higher, you know, and. Uh, and I wouldn't have necessarily thought that before because it always felt like with the things I've done and either working, you know, in, in disaster recovery or working at the business council, there were always high stakes issues. Um, but on the same note, you know, it's a very tough, very competitive marketplace. Um, and you have to win on doing really, really good work. And there are lots of competitors out there who will who will step in and do it if you don't. And so um, I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's been a really good experience. I've got to expand my horizons quite a bit. You know, we're doing a lot of work and really across the Southeast and a number of states now. Um, and we're working on a lot of great projects, things that, I, that I'm very proud of. Uh, but on the same note, it's a tough competitive market, marketplace. And, you know, I think especially in this day and age, the challenge is, how do you constantly innovate and how do you constantly stay ahead of the curve? And, you know, the things that worked in business 10 years ago don't work today. The things that work 10 years from now will be vastly different because we're living in a time of such explosive change. Um, you know, just over the course of the last year, uh, the, the amount that I use artificial intelligence on a day-to-day -day basis is incredible. And if you had asked me a year ago, uh, if I would have any AI in my business whatsoever, I would have told you how in the world would that even happen? I would have had no conception of how that happened. And so it's amazing the pace of change that we see. And so a lot of what I think about day to day is, you know, how do you stay on top of that? How do you stay ahead of the curve? How do you stay on the cutting edge? How are you doing things to make sure your clients and your customers uh, are going to be able to interact with you using technology and and that you're doing the things to kind of remain competitive? And so um, it's exciting in a lot of ways. It's also very intimidating because, you know, the world that we wake up in in 2025 is going to be vastly different than the world we're waking up in in 2024. And then you start to think about 2030, which will be here before we know it, it's going to be even that much different than what we see today. And so um, I, I'm just really struck by how quickly the economy is evolving, how quickly technology is evolving, and, and almost feeling like I have to keep up. Hey, we'll come back to AI in a minute because uh, you and I have had many conversations offline about that. We'll, we'll chat a little bit more about that. But just, just 
just the point about the entrepreneurial effort, it's hard. It is hard. I, I was When I was involved in helping transition print media to digital media, really tough. I mean, you, got, you have cultural issues that are engaged in that, tremendous technology issues. Every day something's changing. The number of competitors is literally almost infinite. Um, it's tough, and you got to bring people along. One of the, one, at the end of this, the man in the, in the arena, it says this, uh, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I mean, you, you, you know, you got you learn a lot about victory and defeat when you're out there, literally in in the competitive world. But, and that you know, that's what keeps us sharp. Competition makes you better. Competition makes you want to sort sort of sharpen the saw and get better at what you do. And um, you know, you, I mean, it makes you better. I mean, at the end of the day, doesn't it? Well, it does. And you know, in in many ways, you know, sort of my mantra for for the almost my new year's resolution so to speak was how do we get 1% better every single day you know it's it's easy to kind of wake up and say hey i'm going to make these wholesale changes and do things totally different that's usually not achievable but what is achievable is to constantly tweak and improve what you're doing and make those kind of constant improvements and so so much of what i'm focused on in my mind day to day now is how do we you know continue to tweak and create efficiencies in each little step in the process um, and, you know, and I think that that's really what it takes to be very successful in business. It's, you know, evolving with the marketplace, uh, staying abreast of what your competitors are doing. You know, you can't just be inward looking all the time and sort of looking at what your customers and clients expect. And so, uh, you know, and there are a lot of small business people out there that are going through that on a day-to-day basis. You know, gone are the days that you can rely on the same recipe or same formula over and over and over to take you through years of sustained success. And so, you know, we've been very fortunate, Ricky. Uh, you know, we we work in a market segment that allows us to really interact with a lot of community leadership and work on big projects and big things that bring about a lot of changes in communities. And you think about these disaster ravaged ravaged communities and, you know, the rebuilding that's occurring or economic development projects are going to bring hundreds or thousands of jobs in some cases to areas. And so, you know, I'm very blessed to be able to work on those things. Uh, But even those things are done so much different than they were five years ago. And so, you know, what we want to do really is be a leader in that market segment and continue to evolve with the market. I often say that those who succeed are the ones who burn the midnight oil. <laughs> I mean, that, in other words, you got to do your homework. I mean, really, to be honest with you, to do this show, uh, I'm very committed on doing my homework on a regular basis. And you, this whole notion of continuously improving, you know, I've said on my show, and you and I have chatted about this before, but I think the more we learn, the more we better learn how much we don't know. And the, that, that, that keeps you humble. And that humility is what drives you to want to learn more. So I think the older we get, the more we want to learn, the more we, I mean, the technology being a great example of that, the, the ever changing, unbelievably rapidly changing technological environment that is there, whether you're in the marketing or advertising business or running any kind of company that makes goods and services, or maybe you're in the you know disaster relief and helping cities get better in the, in, in the kind of business that you're in. But the reality is 
the use of technology is a is a is a foregone conclusion. You got to do it, and with it with advanced artificial intelligence coming online so rapidly. I mean, it, listen, they introduced. Uh, you know, AI that's there for anyone to use, and then suddenly, just like overnight, it's taken the world by storm. I mean, we have our concerns about AI, but as it as as it relates to running the business and helping you develop strategic plans and helping you understand what's the vast knowledge out there and how it might how it might apply to solving this particular problem, it is it is uncannily good at making your situation better, isn't it? Look, I found a lot of use for it. I mean, it, you know, it, generative AI is, is great when we're, you know, we're having to compose uh, long grant applications and we have to integrate a lot of, you know, sort of standard language from federal code and things like that. Being able to give prompts and, and generate, you know, thousands and thousands of words instantaneously, uh, you know, in many ways, what AI has become is, you know, it's become the equivalent of three or four support employees um, that you would have to train and have to manage, uh, and it's instantaneous and it's cheap. And so, you know, it's going to change our economy in a lot of ways. And I think we're only starting to see glimpses of how that's going to happen. But, you know, the AI companies, the folks that are on the cutting edge of that, uh, you look at the explosive growth that's happened in that market. And again, you know, what we see today has only scratched the surface of where this is going. And you think about, you know, five years from now, uh, just sort of the technological framework across the globe and the trillions upon trillions of sensors that will be integrated into every piece of technology that's out there. And then AI being able to take that instantaneous data from all of these sensors and inputs and then give you conclusions based on that immediately. It's going to change the paradigm in a way that we can hardly conceive of now. And so, you know, I think the challenge for businesses uh, the challenge for government is how to be on the cutting edge and get the benefit of that. You know, I mean, I, you, you see across the board kind of the concerns about AI, and I share those concerns, uh, but the applications of AI in day-to-day -day business or day-to-day -day operations are really infinite. Uh, and the, to the, the extent that we're using it, I always feel very guilty about the fact that I haven't taken deeper dives to figure out how to get more bandwidth out of it. And so, uh, you know, I, I can see very clearly today that AI is going to be an integral part of our business going forward. Uh, whereas, you know, again, 12 months ago, it, that would not have even been on my radar. Well, the, your use of AI is only as good as the query made. And the more the more educated and the more thoughtful the query, the better the result's going to be. And then, of course, the ability to refine as you go. You know, it's you know, it, it gives me immediately a really good framework for for how how to think about something. Especially, you know, if I'm entering a show with someone that I haven't talked to before, and I want to get up to speed on a on a particular topic. Really, really good stuff. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Ashley Edwards. We'll see you after this. After this. and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. We're having a conversation with my friend Ashley Edwards, who's a uh, coastal Mississippi, actually Mississippi entrepreneur, but also the former president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. And he's also a contributor, a column contributor to Super Talk Miss, uh, Mississippi News. Um, hey, listen, I want one other point on AI. Um, I hired a guy when I was the president of NOLA Media Group who was the VP of sales. And when he left our company, he he uh, he left uh, to further his career. He went to work for Salesforce.com, and you know Salesforce.com is one of the most successful companies in America. He had a very significant position there, and I thought, wow, this is perfect for him. He wrote a book about sales and just just a just a you know just understood the sales process really well. Well, anyway, he's been doing really well there. But I noticed on Facebook the other day that he announced that he's leaving Salesforce.com. I mean, his dream job, this amazing job. And he's joining this startup company as the VP of sales for the startup company. And it's a startup company that's going to be focused on um, business applications of AI. That's the business. And I'm, I'm like, wow, <laughs> this guy, he, he just... He he's, he amazes me the way he's willing to jump into it and go. But I mean, he wouldn't. Listen, I know him to be a thoughtful guy, so he would not have joined this group of investors and entrepreneurs if they didn't have something that that turned him on that he could he could do well with. But we're going to see a lot more companies like that evolving. Actually, literally, just companies focused on how to use AI. Uh, and it will be interesting to see what this particular company does. I'll send you the link of uh, the announcement, and you and I both can watch this company as it comes out, you know, off the ground. I don't know much more about it than that, that's for sure. Hey, listen, as we look at the uh, Mississippi legislature, I- I'm excited about sort of the, 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 the mood that I hear coming out of the legislature this year. Now, some of this may be due to having a new speaker. Speaker White is going in there. What I, f- I don't know him. I look forward to having him on the show. We've, we've extended a, an invitation for him to join me for a full show. because I can. T- so I want to tell a story, talk about Coastal Mississippi and how it fits in, but, you know, talk about you know, where, you know, where he comes from and where his influences in his life, life was. But, but I'm really impressed with his practical communication. And I'm also impressed with his willingness to sort of go against – um, you know, go against sort of conventional thinking as it re- as it relates to some Republican agenda items. One is Medicaid expansion. Now he's not promising Medicaid expansion. Let me let me be clear about that. What he's promising is that we should have a conversation about it. You know, we should is this potentially a solution to the number of working poor in the in the state of Mississippi? But uh, while this is not a conversation about Medicaid expansion specifically, what I like about what I hear in the legislature, and I, I hear this being echoed by Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, is that there's a spirit of we're going to tackle some things that we don't typically tackle. I think we're going to get some bipartisan support on some of those items. But it's good to see early in the, in the process that we don't see people putting stakes in the ground already, isn't it? You know, it's it's been really uh, fascinating to me to see how willing legislative leadership has been to really tackle some of these big issues. And that's not something historically that we always see, Ricky. I mean, you know, usually the year after a big election, you just don't see a lot of controversial things come up. Uh, and it seems like this year is going to be the exception to that. But I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, these next four years are going to be, I think, fascinating for sort of politicos or political watchers in Mississippi, um, because it has been a generation since we've really had a, a time when every statewide elected official is is term limited out. 
uh, it's been a long time since we've you know, been in a situation where you're going to see a lot of turnover in uh, various office holders, you know, new governor, new lieutenant governor, new secretary of state, new state treasurer, new attorney general. Um, and so there are going to be a lot of folks running. And so, you know, it's going to be a bit of a free for all. And there are a lot of folks who are going to be interested in moving up and a lot of competition. And so I think this is going to be an interesting four years. And it's going to be interesting to see how the legislature sets the tone for that next four years through the things that they're tackling and taking on. And, you know, as you mentioned, there's been some reluctance to take on a few of these issues over time. Certainly the signals coming out of Jackson right now is that um, there is going to be much more openness to taking on some of these big issues like Medicaid expansion, elimination of, of uh, the income tax, that which obviously is something the governor is, is pushing very hard. So this could be a time of incredible change in Mississippi in a public policy front. Um, and I'm I'm glad to be here for it. I'm glad to get to watch this all play out. The other the ballot initiative. I mean, something we you know we need to we need to tackle. I mean, there have been uh, significant disagreements on how to implement an approach uh, since the Supreme Court made this decision. But you know, we, something needs to be done there, and I think that they're they're at least open to having those conversations. Um, the the one that, that that I think is important, and there's not a lot of disagreement at all about this, and that is that the governor has a big time economic development uh, agenda. I mean, that just that's always been something he feels strongly about, and he puts his energy and his uh, you know in his investment energy toward economic development in a big way because he thinks one of the biggest ways for Mississippi to improve its standing is to create as many high-paying jobs as we possibly can. And by the way, he's totally right by that. And you think, too, about you know uh, economic development on the state level. You think about the leaders that we have in this state that on, on the local level that are focused on, on economic development. Uh, you know, we got the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. You know about the economic development uh, foundation led by our friend Joe Max Higgins, who's been on the show several times up in the Golden Triangle area. But you know, there we've got some we've got some talent in this state, and we're connecting the dots, and we're focused on it. And it's clear that if any big opportunities comes up, you've got a legislature that's focused on it. So, um, you know, kudos to to them for staying focused on that. Because with all the other noise, you got to keep economic development front front and center, don't you? No question about it. I think that's one thing Governor Reeves has has really been spot on with. Um, and you can see the importance of it to him, as, as you noted. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, Ricky, Mississippi in many ways is kind of the birthplace of modern economic development, starting all the way back with the Balance Agriculture with Industry Act. And um, we've got some great practitioners in this state. Uh, Bill Cork, who was recently named as the new director of MDA, I think a lot of him uh, you know, I don't say this lightly. I think he's probably one of the finest practitioners of economic development uh, that I've ever seen. Um, and so I think this could be a very competitive four years for Mississippi, considering the fact that you've got great alignment around the issue. Legislature understands the value of it. It's really the centerpiece uh, for the governor. Uh, and you've got a lot of very talented local economic developers around Mississippi. Uh, and you're right. It is the place where we can continue to compete and punch above our weight. And so uh, I don't think you can you can understate the importance of it. Uh, and, you know, it's a big part of our business. I mean, we do a lot of economic development work. We work on a lot of economic development projects. Um, and you and you really see out there the folks that do it well and the folks that don't do it so well. And so those best practices are, are really key. Uh, and we continue to see this 
sort of increasing leadership in that in that area. And I think that's going to be Mississippi's high point over the next four years. I, I can't agree more. Jamie Miller, your your, your predecessor at um, the not predecessor, but you know, who came in after you at at the Gulf Coast Business Council, Jamie um, talked about Bill and reminded me, and and we can remind the listeners the connection that you have with him. But he was executive director of the Port Port and Harbor Commission in Hancock County. You were there before he was there. Um, and it's interesting how all these dots connect. But, you know, if I had to pick one for him, like, like first of all, the fact that Bill Cork worked in coastal Mississippi is really important. So he understands the bookends. He understands Ingalls and Chevron and Stennis Space Center and, and so on. I think Hancock County was a good one for him to spend time in because he's he, he gets to understand the importance of rail. He gets to understand the importance of maritime. He gets to, he knows about the blue chip industries that are part of Stennis. You guys have, you know, economic development and industrial parks that you're focused on over there. But, I mean, that's a very diverse job. That particular job is a very diverse job. And uh, um, he brings to the state a terrific understanding of how all these complex pieces fit together in coastal Mississippi, doesn't he? he? Well, he absolutely does. And I'll tell you the thing that probably is most impressive about Bill Cork to me um, you know, he, he is a uh, he is a responsible steward as a practitioner. You know, look, it, one of the ways that people win in economic development is just throwing unlimited incentives and crazy money uh, at developments and things of that nature, um, which ultimately don't really pencil out in, in the grand scheme of things. And so there are a lot of states that have given away the farm to attract businesses and arguably, you know, it, it's never really benefited them above what it costs them. Bill Cork is not one of those guys. I mean, you know, we, look, we know if we take an economic development to to him, uh, he's going to go through it with a fine tooth comb. Uh, he doesn't make bad deals for Mississippi. Uh, and he's got a reputation as, as a guy who's a really responsible steward uh, of the state's resources and making sure that that deals not don't just work for the companies, but also work for the state and, and ultimately the locals. And so uh, I think that's a place that he really, uh, really shines. And, and I like that, you know, as a per, as, as not only a person that works in the industry, but also a taxpayer. I like the fact that he's a good steward of making sure not only we're getting deals done, but we're also getting the right deals done. Yeah, that is that's important. And of course, Jamie Miller had, had the opportunity to work with him when Jamie was at MDA and said never went to a meeting where Bill didn't have an incredibly organized agenda and very focused. I mean, an ex-military guy, he's uh, he's focused on, on the right things. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with uh, Ashley Edwards. We'll see you after this. to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Ashley Edwards, who is a contributor to Super Talk Mississippi News, former 
uh, president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. He's an entrepreneur these days, and we love checking in with him, just talking about a wide variety of, of topics. Hey, one topic that we didn't talk about, and I want to circle back and just make sure we do, and that is the whole issue around education. And school choice is going to come up. Now, look, school choice, you know, there's a pure approach to school choice that could be taken and could, it might be taken. It's all going to be debated. I mean, uh, but I think that some, some, so if you break it all down, there are some things within that that they may be considering. For example, scholarships, for example, and can, can, can uh, give public money to a family and let them decide where they want their kid to go to school, whether it's private school or public school. We have a Supreme Court ruling that's got to come down to, to really refine whether we can actually do that or not. But but, you know, if the truth is, if you have means today, if you have the means today, you have school choice. So a lot. And then some some parents would, that really don't have the means, they're borrowing money, they're doing whatever they have to do. But they're 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 also keeping the opportunity for their family to have school choice. So anytime that someone chooses to send their kid to a Catholic school, for example, my kids go to Catholic school or went and my grandkids go to Catholic school. Now, my daughter teaches at Catholic school. Um, that's a form of school choice, okay? But there are a lot of families in this state that don't have the means, don't have the ability to make that decision, and their kids are going to schools that are not very good. I mean, that's just a fact, okay? And that's, by the way, Haley Barber made the point in an, in an editorial board meeting once that he had just left uh, somewhere in central Mississippi a school, a public school, that had overperformed and it was in one of the poorest areas of the state. And his point was that just because it's in a poor area doesn't mean it has to underperform. The reality is often it's who's leading that school district, okay? And we saw we saw that during the pandemic. We saw some administrators embrace the pandemic and move quickly to use technology and whatever they needed to do to keep kids moving forward. And other administrators collapsed. And parents saw that. So the parents that were in schools where they they moved forward and didn't get too far behind. They knew they knew that was a good thing. And parents that were in situations that didn't have technological ability to do remote learning, et cetera, they they saw that too and they didn't like it. But they're stuck in those situations. They don't have the ability to to make another decision that would allow their kids to get a great education. I think we gotta solve that problem. I think school choice is something we're gonna have a serious debate about. Do you have an opinion about it? Look, I've always been a proponent for school choice. And, you know, you look at, you know, look, I'm a product of public education. All of my kids have, have gone their entire careers in public education. So I'm a supporter of public education. But you cannot have a serious conversation about this issue unless you acknowledge that in many ways those systems are broken. Uh, I'm lucky to live in Biloxi where we have a great public school system and my kids go to school there and it's great. Um, not every parent is is in a position like that. And, uh, you know, you look at a place like Mississippi where we have more school districts um, than they have in a state like Florida with 10 times as many people. Um, over, over many years, over a generation, in many cases, some of these school districts have become fiefdoms for underperformance. You see uh, you've seen situations, and, and State Auditor White has done a good job of, of, you know, giving some sunshine to this. But you know, where you've got administrators that, you know, in failing school districts that make more in, than administrators in school districts that are performing well. And so, when you start to just look at those metrics and you start to do that comparison contrast, people have to have an alternative. And so, 
if the state doesn't have the ability or local boards don't have the ability to go to step in and do something about these failing school systems, you have to give parents a choice. And so, you know, I think in many ways, this is going to be one of the key issues of sort of the next generational political age that we have in the United States, because more and more people are going to continue to see that they live in geographic areas where their kids are being left behind and they're not going to stand for it. And so, um, you know, if you can't step in and fire superintendents, if you can't step in and 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 sort of turn these schools around because these are because these fiefdoms exist, then you have to give people an alternative. Right now, you know, transferring from one district to the next is very difficult, if not nearly impossible, because right now the sending school has the power to veto. And uh, and so you just don't have. So th- I think there might be. Again, we may not bite off the whole apple, at the, you know, in this first round. But making it easier for students to transfer from one public school to the next, you know, maybe it may be a step in the right direction. Um, but something's got to be done. I mean, we all know this that that by creating broadband access. It was one of the most single biggest moves we've done in, in in this state by getting power co-ops involved in putting down miles and miles and miles of fiber optic to places in rural areas of Mississippi where 51 percent of Mississippians live. Um, that's going to transform uh, the you know the access to you know to high speed internet. That's really important. That's going to be transformative. Other moves that we can make in education can help transform. And we just got to keep to be. We got to continue to be focused on that. The other thing is keeping community colleges and other focused on workforce training and the kind of things that we need to do that are being innovated by Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, for example, where over 51 percent of their students are in non traditional education. We got to focus on all those things. That well, we're out of time. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Ricky, it's always great to see you. Keep up the good work you're doing. Uh, Always enjoy listening to your show. Thank you, Ashley Edwards. We really appreciate you. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Talk Mississippi Media Production.